0: Hi, I'm Jake Parker with the What's Your Story podcast. Here I talk with my guests about their life experiences as well as current and long-term goals and what gets them through the ups and downs. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and if you don't already, follow my Instagram account at jparkerfitlife for actionable tips daily to live a healthier lifestyle. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome back to the What's Your Story podcast. My guest today is... Mason Woodruff he's a guest that I've been wanting to have on for a while and as we will soon discuss he's he's been going on starting a podcast kick I take it so he wanted to come on uh, share his story on here and so I think it'll be a fun conversation so you want to go ahead and say hi Mason
1: yeah yeah man I'm excited uh, to be here we've been trying to get on a on a podcast together for a few months now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the timing just didn't work, but things are slowing down in the hot, hot summer. Yeah, No time like the present, so I'm just yeah. glad to be here.
0: Yeah, Mason was one of the first guys. I, I always wanted to have you on because there was like a handful of guys that really were kind of inspirations for me to start my own page. Uh, I would say like five to ten that I followed from the start, and you were one of them, and so I thought it would be cool to have you on and talk, and also just because you – have a different page of anyone that I know, and the fact that you're just focused on these macro friendly recipes and stuff like that. So I just thought that was cool. But my my first question was kind of like I talked about in the beginning. What uh, what was the kick that kind of made you want to start coming on some podcasts? You said that you wanted you had interest in doing a lot of podcasts now.
1: I really, um, well, part of you know, I work from home and uh, it's just me I, i'm a team of one uh, other than you know a couple virtual assistants and stuff like that so it's cool to take a break and, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just do something that's out of the out of the routine so podcasts mm-hmm. are definitely that and then getting to talk to people uh, in the even though i'm not so much in the fitness industry anymore mm-hmm. i'm still in the industry and very aware of, of all the stuff that's going on and then and uh, yeah, I just like to talk to people who who are into the same things that I'm into, mm-hmm. and uh, I've yet to do a podcast that I got off and was like, man, that was a terrible time.
0: So, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I know that's 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 interesting you say that. I think that's for you know people that are have entrepreneurial sort of interest. It's definitely can take its toll. I think when you are by yourself and working alone a lot of the times. I know that I've I've heard uh, Tim Ferriss talk about that a lot and how that kind of bothered him a lot and his more his earlier years before he started making a point to, you know, just get around more people and interact socially more, more during his days, even though he works by himself mostly. Definitely.
1: Yeah. I'm i I'm a hermit and introvert at heart mm-hmm. and, uh, and totally fine with putting my head down and working all day by myself. Um, yep. So it's good to good to get out of the out of the shell.
0: Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there other things you do to break it up? Like, you have any clubs you're in, or I mean, I'm sure you go. You get to go to go to your house to you go to the gym. I see.
1: Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm terrible with what most would call work-life balance, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that sounds bad. But but I I mean, what I do for work is fun. You know, it's so much fun. You can't really mm-hmm.
2: call it like
1: like work. Um, hmm. So yeah, but but no, I, I really lack in the hobbies department. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than going to the gym, and um, really that's about it. We don't do much. We we'll eat eat good food, go out to eat, yeah. uh, oh, and, and take the, the the pupper for a walk. But other than that, yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm lacking in that department. But that's a big uh, that's a big area of focus for for improvement. Part of the podcast mm-hmm. initiative of 2019. And so, mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's
0: like you you say how you're introverted like i'm i'm the same way i'm very introverted at heart but it's also i think that i I, i've come lately to realize the importance of getting around other people and just because like i said you it's it's too easy to kind of get stuck in your head and kind of stuck in a rut if you're not putting yourself out there a little bit at least yeah definitely but uh so what is like an average day like then are you you know I mean, I guess maybe for for anyone that doesn't know, explain a little bit about what you, what you do and what your Instagram page is and then kind of what the whole creative process is like.
1: Sure. So, uh, I, I started a blog in, in 2014 and I wrote primarily about like training and nutrition, uh, like the science and, and kind of the nerdy stuff. So I was a, I was a personal trainer. Um, and when I got out of college, just started training and coaching people. And I wrote primarily about that stuff and, uh, and did a lot of like freelance writing, uh, you know, like seven high volume foods to help your fat loss, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and, <laughs> and then over time that evolved into, um, I-, I love, uh, practicality. That's, that's what I'm always preaching is like, give me practical over theory, uh, Mm-hmm. It took me a while to realize that. So I realized working with with clients and and things like that, that the food, like giving recipes and practical food tips and food finds, that's what people really enjoyed. So kind of narrowed down my focus in 2017 uh, and started just pumping out food-related content and recipes, and it's been a a slow build since then, putting out um, probably five... Five recipes per week, maybe mm-hmm. something like that. Since then, um, yeah, and then now, so that's uh, that's turned into a, to a sizable Instagram account, I guess you'd say, and uh, and blog, and uh, yeah, now the the work week looks like um, seven days a week. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, some days it's some days it's all filled with cooking, and then other days it's in front of the computer. Typically, it's going to alternate, so you know. Uh, like all one right. day may be cooking from 8am until 6, 7pm and mm-hmm. then taking the photos and all that. And then the next day is spent getting them on the blog, getting them on Instagram and then, you know, engaging in the in Facebook group, Instagram comments, Instagram DMs, emails. Mm-hmm. And stuff. So,
0: so. Yeah, that's what I was, another thing that I was wondering about is when you said that it can be seven days a week sometimes, do you ever just, you know, as the nature of your work is you could probably work all day every day if you really wanted to, but do you ever just give yourself a day off just because you know that you kind of need to recharge. You know, like you said, the work life balance is very uh, non-typical for you.
1: Yeah, n- not really. Um, <laughs> not really, but, but not, you know, I, I don't want it to sound like, uh, like I'm all about like hustle culture or like
2: I'm mm-hmm.
1: grinding or anything like that. It's just, you know, a lot of stuff, like, uh, in the morning, I might spend 30 minutes to an hour responding to comments and, and messages and, um, you know, like hopping in my Facebook group and getting in some threads there. And and that stuff is, like, while it's work, it's it's not so much work, you know, it's,
2: mm-hmm. it's connecting.
1: Like, I mean, I like to think that sounds it sounds cheesy, but I have some genuine connections with people in my who would be considered in my audience or my readers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like we're probably talking on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and while it's technically work, it's not really work. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I go seven days a week and, um, some days feel a lot more like work, like the days where I'm sitting in front of a computer putting blog posts together, mm-hmm. like editing photos and videos and stuff like that. That's work. Uh, but that, that probably comprises maybe 50% of my week. The rest of the time is spent doing what I would consider fun stuff, which is actually posting and engaging and mm-hmm. interacting with, with readers and,
0: and all that. Yeah. So what I'm was the, comedy. uh... <laughs> What was the uh, transition period like between starting out your blog in 2014 to now this is you're able to have this as your full time job? Were you, I take it you're still doing the personal training in between there for a while?
1: Yeah, so, so when I started in 2014, I, um, yeah, it was just training and I got, I got really lucky and stumbled into kind of like early online coaching success. Mm-hmm. Like when online coaching started to become a thing. I was kind of one of the I was there a little bit early, um, stumbled into some success. And then that led into some other opportunities like um, uh, kind of training other personal trainers to uh, to sell like in a commercial gym setting, kind Mm -hmm. of in a management role. And I did that for um, two to three years. And then around 2017, I uh, I just had. Had enough, you know, had enough and knew uh, knew that uh, content creation was my real, uh, and even to this day, like, all the other stuff is really fun, but just creating content is what I love the most. Uh, so in 2017, I just decided, hey, I'm going to, you know, and, and I'm very frugal, whatever you want to call it, so I'd saved up a lot of money and kind of given myself a runway and said, Okay, I'm gonna leave my job, and it's gonna be, uh, you know, I can take on a few online clients to Mm -hmm. to get me going. Um, But I'm gonna give myself a runway, and then, um, just make this work, you know. Mm -hmm. There's no turning back. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and I got I got pretty lucky, you know. Like I I'd reached the end of my runway, and uh, was kind of debating. Okay, do I want to do I want to go back and get a job somewhere and
2: Mm -hmm. then continue
1: trying to do this on the side or what? And uh, I got hooked up with Mike Dola and Stronger You to be their um, chief deliciousness officer,
2: Mm -hmm. you know, making
1: some recipes for their members. Mm -hmm. And and that was my saving grace that kind of kickstarted. That was at the perfect, that was the tipping point. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. the, it was either do or die. I was going to go get a job or, or keep rolling. And then since then, it's been, uh, you know, no looking back, it, it worked out.
0: I got lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, <laughs> had you always been interested in, you know, cooking and making recipes? Was it something that someone taught you growing up? Or was it just something you kind of came into?
1: Yeah, so I've been cooking um, most of my life. Not very well, you know. Mm-hmm. Like my mom was a big cook. Uh, was super into cooking, still is. Uh, so she got me started. And uh, then instead of wood shop in high school, I ended up in
2: mm-hmm.
1: high school. Um, and then, you know, I kind of probably got away from it a lot, like early days of college, like most people. I mean, what do you cook mm-hmm. in, in your refrigerator microwave combo? So, you know, easy mac and ramen.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then, I got back into fitness a few years into college and, uh, and uh, ended up going down the, the education route to be a dietitian. And then part of that, which I w- was totally unaware of at the time is uh, tons of classes on food science and in the mm-hmm. kitchen and learning about, you know, more of the science of food and cooking. Um, but but honestly didn't, that wasn't my plan and mm-hmm. i didn't even use that information until you know 3 or 4 years later so
0: yeah
2: it's
1: kind of weird you, how things work out
0: yeah did you start out knowing that you wanted to do something with fitness and nutrition when you went to college
1: oh yeah but i but i bounced all around like i was a terrible mm-hmm. student i hated hated school always um but i was an athlete in high school and then uh, you know started out in i think it was like pre physical therapy like I was Uh going to go physical therapy route and then that turned into um uh, i think it was maybe business and then computer science of all things and then uh, maybe business again and then uh something else and then nutrition i mean I, i didn't get serious about school until uh you know, two or three years out of high school
2: and then mm-hmm. I
1: figured out what it was going to do. And I was like, all right, let's just get this done. Yeah. L- luckily, it somehow managed to finish, but hated every minute of it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, it seems like that's kind of the case with people that find themselves being more creative when you are put in a box like college can kind of be, it can be, it can be tough on you.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> and where, where were you at for college?
1: I went to, uh, to the university of central Arkansas, uh, that's in Conway, Arkansas. Okay. If I could do it all over again, I would, uh, I would definitely start out community college
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Because
1: even in the, in the later years. So I I got really serious about finishing and, you know, like they put a cap on how many hours you can take. So my senior year, what would have been my senior year, I just, uh, I took classes at the same time, at two different community colleges,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in addition to UCA, so I could stack like just I did almost 30 hours a semester. Wow. So I could fit it.
2: Wow, I was just that is
1: so so done with school. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, let's get this, let's get it over with. You know, yeah, um, so, but yeah, yeah, you know, I, just, if I could do it again. Never done that.
0: Yeah, I just graduated college last December, and I've had a lot of conversations with people. that just like along the lines of it seems so funny that you're expected to go and decide what you want to do when you're 18 and start, you know, taking college so seriously, because it seems like looking back at it, I definitely wasn't ready to make, you know, career choices. And I was never like a lot of people super serious about school. I was more into the partying and whatever other extracurriculars, you know, college had to offer at the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a, it's a tough time. And uh, I don't know. I I feel like we're making some positive there's some positive trends in the education in the college education, uh, realm. You know, people are starting to look at alternative routes. Some of the bigger companies out there are, are kind of saying like, Hey, we don't care about school. We care about yeah. your, your skill set and what you can do. Uh, and now there seems to be more opportunities for like high school kids to get work experience. And mm-hmm. that's what really matters. You know, like when I was even in my last year of school, you know, it's recommended. So I went the dietitian route and post graduation, you have to do a, an unpaid internship. Uh, and then those are super competitive to get into. So it's recommended that you get work experience. So I went to work in a, a food service department of a hospital where you'd be okay. working as a dietitian. Or some dietitians are going to work and hated it, like hated it. I mean, it's the worst job I've ever had. Worst job by far. And uh, I was like, you know what? I know this isn't a, a direct indication of what being a dietitian will be like, but what if it is, you know, wow. what if it is, I can't, uh, this will not work for me. So I yeah. changed my entire career outlook.
0: You know, talking about education, did you ever during college or after college, um, do any like learning on your own, taking any courses as far as cooking or just like other outside interests, reading books, stuff like that?
1: Yeah, so in um, in the early days, I, I mean, I, most of what I know about fitness has been all self taught. You know, mm-hmm. it was um, I, I caught the bug probably 2011. I graduated college in 2014. In that three year period, I was like, I lived in the the T Bodybuilding dot com forums, mm-hmm. just reading like Lane Norton. Greg Knuckles, Brett Contreras, like all those guys. I mean, anything they wrote, I was reading, um, podcasts, like all that kind of stuff. When I got out of college, I realized, okay, well I know a lot about fitness and training and nutrition. I need to learn about business because that's the hardest part of being a trainer and coach and entrepreneur. I mean, you have to know about the business stuff. So then it was, it was books. And if I could go back in time, I would have read maybe, um, one tenth of the business books I did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, you know, I'm sure I have some stuff that kind of like compounded like knowledge and compounded from different books, but I feel like they're all kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, these days I feel like, uh, I say this all the time, kind of uh, bragging, but I feel like I have one of the sweetest setups because
2: mm-hmm.
1: what I do on a daily basis, like when I'm cooking, I get to listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts every yeah. day, on all kinds of topics from business or investing to uh, still some nutrition stuff still some cooking stuff or i'll watch videos um i mean i i'm a big thinker my brain never shuts off so even mm-hmm. when i'm like doing like cooking i'm, I'm just i'm kind of multitasking with, yeah trying to learn something or, or at least you know and there's some entertainment in there too it's not all mm-hmm. all learning but these days yeah, it's, that's, it's definitely podcasts
0: yeah I feel like that's kind of where you can do your best learning too. Like for me, if I'm just, if I like my, I guess if you say like my body's distracted with something, like you say, when you're cooking and you're moving all these different directions, kind of seems like your brain can zero in on things more has been my experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just like it, almost anything, like volume is the key, you know, mm-hmm. just the sheer volume. Like when I was commuting to college, I was like the only time even now that I really listen to music is when I'm, working at the computer, like kind of Mm -hmm. doing stuff that I have to focus a bit more, Mm -hmm. or if I'm in the gym. Other than that, it's probably podcasting. If it's driving, listen to podcasts or something like that. So Mm -hmm. maximize that time and then just give it time, you know, like we're coming up on 10 years now, I've been listening to to just constant, a constant flow of information Mm -hmm. about, you know, certain topics that now I'm finally starting to feel like a little bit knowledgeable about Mm -hmm.
0: something. Yeah, that's so true what you say about volume because a lot of times I'll kind of think like I listen to a lot of podcasts too And I'm like sometimes i'm thinking that it goes in one ear and out the other But then i'll have like just a sudden realization or a recollection or something that I heard in a podcast and I'm, like wow it all kind of i've heard a lot of things about how, you know, the the subconscious or the unconscious brain It's always absorbing the things you're hearing if even if you're not consciously digesting it I think that's definitely true It's stuff like podcasts and kind of like you talked about books in the same respect
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, somewhere along the way, you picked up how to how to hustle mm-hmm.
0: to get a
2: guest
1: on your podcast. Because that's true, yeah, you followed up with me
2: mm-hmm.
1: three, four times. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. You know, like that's uh, that's big. I mean, because other people have asked me, and it's not that like I don't want to do a pod. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, hey, I think when you first reached out, I maybe had a cookbook launch or something like yeah. both times. Uh, so I was like, Hey, can we, can we push back? And then I had a few other people who probably reached out during the time and then never followed back up with me. Right? Mm-hmm. You know,
2: I'm not gonna well, yeah,
0: it's <laughs> it's kind of like, I remember you said in your story that you're looking for somebody who's either been doing it for a year, has like 30 plus podcasts. And I know that you're not saying that to be like offensive or to be, you know, like that you're, that you had this special commodity to offer, but it's like, if someone, you, you never know. I think your point was probably that just seeing that someone's, sticking to it and is committed to it and it's not like something they were interested in for a week or a month or whatever
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah Pod, I mean podcasting is, is hot right now you know mm-hmm. same thing with blogging you know like blogging has been pretty hot for a while now because you can see like oh man there's these these bloggers that make a 100 grand a month you know mm-hmm. like, I need to start a blog and everyone has a guide on starting a blog and people start blogs and then they put up a few posts and then they never post again. Yeah, exactly. It it takes a while. You got to put your head down and stay focused Mm -hmm. on something for a while. So the year mark or or 25 episodes seems like an okay first hurdle, I guess. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I know like for myself, I'm a pretty big procrastinator in general. And so I know when I started my blog and podcast, I made it a point that – I was going to put it out on a specific day every week. The The blog has turned into every other just because it takes longer to create. But I put out a podcast every Monday and every Saturday. And I think if I didn't do that, it's it's much harder, just like anything in life, if you just kind of say, oh, I'm just going to put these out sporadically, you know, when I can or when I feel like it. Putting that deadline on yourself is, I think, the most helpful. And I'm sure you probably yeah. do the same with your blog posts and Instagram posts and whatever. Yeah, yeah of sort
1: of i mean i have rough guidelines that Mm -hmm. i can't stick to i kind of have you know what i want to get done per per week or month um yeah that's a that's a good point because the stuff's hard you know like i mean it's hard work and it's it's especially hard in the beginning because you know if someone asked me for advice on starting a blog or a account or, or something mm. like that i'm always the one of the top tips i give is like be prepared for no one to care you know yep. and that's one of the hardest things like if you put all this work into something and then no one looks at it dude that's so disheartening yeah. but it's just part of it you know
2: yeah and,
1: and it takes special people to i think kind of move past that and i think mm-hmm. once you can get past a year of putting out stuff that not many people are paying attention to then you know, like
0: you kind of cross that barrier.
1: Eggs. Yeah. You got something special that you can,
0: you can yeah. work with. Yeah. I try really hard to the, the app that I use for podcasting will always tell me how many people are listening to each episode. And I try as much as I can not to look at that because I feel like it's just way too easy to get wrapped up in. And so, yeah, just kind of, like you said, you got to move past that. And another thing when you talk about just the the volume of hearing, business tips, et cetera, whatever, is you always hear, you just got to be consistent and not care, you know, what the, what the statistics are like, what the numbers are like, because in the long run, you only stick to something if you really enjoy doing it. And if it's your voice and if you start to cater to other people and what they want, you either won't stick to it or you just become unhappy because you know that that's not genuine.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. So yeah, um, I was curious, what uh what's some of your favorite podcasts? Because I'm a huge podcast listener too. I subscribe to maybe like a dozen or so. So I wonder if you are hitting any of the same ones.
1: You know, it it's mm-hmm. changed a lot. I'll say when I started, Barbell Shrugged, and I'm not into CrossFit, but the original mm-hmm. guys on that podcast were one of the first podcasts that I really like religiously listened to and picked up a lot of, a lot of knowledge from those guys. And, and I liked that, you know, those were like, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it from looking at them, but you know, they were like tattooed up. Most of them yeah. tattooed up. And, um, but you know, they were well-educated guys mm-hmm. who had been doing it for a long time. Uh, those were early influences. Uh, and then I went through a period, you know, where it was lots of, uh, business and entrepreneurship stuff. So there was, mm-hmm. you know, uh the, the the obvious guys like Tim Ferriss and Gary Vee and in
2: mm-hmm.
1: that crowd and um i wouldn't say that i listen to them as much anymore uh these days there's more um, investing things like that personal finance podcast which mm-hmm. i've always been a little bit of a nerd about that stuff too i kind of have yeah. that and um and then there's some some there's some food to be honest, there's a big, there's a big content gap in the food podcasting realm. Like hmm. I can't find many food related podcasts that I enjoy. Um, but I do enjoy some of like some, there are some YouTubers that, yeah, uh, that I really enjoy in the, in the food space. But,
0: and when you yeah. say that, is it more about looking for like healthy cooking or just like cooking tips in general?
1: A little bit of both. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit of both. I, I don't watch many, um, probably, I don't, well, yeah, I don't really watch any healthy cooking or healthy food mm-hmm. um, related content, partly because I don't want to be influenced or, or like copy.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, yeah, I can see that.
1: Subconsciously influenced and, and make something that's too similar to someone else. Uh, and, and then, a, you know, yeah, and, and I think they're just, Yeah. Yeah. That's probably my biggest reason. I I really enjoy like on YouTube, you know, the, the Bon Appetit test kitchen, those videos are awesome. Binging with Babish. I love his stuff, which he just remakes, you know, he makes stuff from like TV shows. Like if you see a a crazy Mm -hmm. uh, plate of nachos or something like Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, he makes that, but he great cinematography and, uh, and stuff like that. So there's probably some inspiration I draw from him. Um yeah, yeah. Chef's Ta or uh Chef's show on Netflix is great with John Favreau, the guy who directed Iron Man and all those uh swingers. Okay. Food food content probably has to be more video and shows.
0: Are you reading any uh new books right now?
1: Man, I I've been on a reading hiatus for pretty much since I quit my job in two thousand seventeen. It's mm-hmm. been um it's been work mode, or maybe create mode is the better, mm-hmm. the better way to frame it. Um, yeah, I I say like I tell, I tell my fiance all the time like Yeah, I'm gonna start reading because I used to read a bit of fiction too. Mm-hmm. And that was a good like entertainment break or mind break. Um, and I always tell her like Yeah, I'm gonna read. She loves the Wheel of Time series, and I've tried. I've read probably a hundred pages of book one maybe three times now and Mm -hmm. uh and just can't i just can't stick with it anymore and but leading up to that in 2016 i was the complete opposite i've read 70 books in 2016 and and that was too much you know or maybe it wasn't too much but it was like the springboard for for doing what i do now you know Mm -hmm. like i was maybe accumulating knowledge and skills and then finally got to put it into practice yeah since then it's just kind of been like a lot of maybe the need to know learning or just mm-hmm. in time learning. I think maybe Tim Ferriss. I, mean, yeah. friend, I don't know. Yeah. But, but these days, yeah, if yeah,
0: I need something,
1: it's like I, I just do it as it, as it comes, you know, mm-hmm. like I'll spend a few hours trying to learn something and then put it into practice. I can't think of anything yeah. though in the past two years that, that I've like really had to dedicate much time to learning mm-hmm. you know, other than maybe a new, software for automating Pinterest or or something like that. Like, but, but a lot of that's trial and error, you
0: know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It kind of resonates with my story and just the sense that I have been like on a huge reading kick ever, kind of ever since like maybe last summer I started reading again and I think it was mostly due to the fact that I started discovering that I wanted to do something apart from what I did in college, which I majored in finance and business, which is useful education. But now that I'm trying to be in the fitness industry and I'm really interested in blogging and podcasting, I've been reading a lot. And I feel like it's just totally different because it's like like I was kind of talking about earlier, self-education and self-learning as opposed to that formal education that I've had my whole life. And so it's interesting, but I can definitely see from your point of view, and you talk about the repetitiveness of those business books, it can definitely, you know, it it is helpful to an extent to hear the different things stated in different books in in different ways, because it kind of affirms that this is the way to do it. This is the way you should go about things, but at a point it definitely can get repetitive. So that's why I think a couple of the other topics of books, I guess you could say, I really am interested in is, psychology and philosophy sort of things and then biographies because I feel like those have principles that can be translated to business as well
1: oh totally yeah totally that um yeah some of my favorite books like when I think think back um or look at my bookshelf some of my favorite books are like shoot dog the story of the the Nike creator or um uh river of doubt which is about Teddy Roosevelt and the trip he took. Oh yeah. Um, Winter Fortress, but I think Neil Baskin is about uh, a group of British intelligence guys, or maybe Norwegian guys Mm -hmm. who sneak in to sabotage uh, the heavy water plant that would have created Germany's first atomic bomb and beat us to it uh, leading up to, you know, Hiroshima Mm -hmm. and the, yeah, those are, I mean, those are, you learn so much from those and they, they really do stick with you because you learn those things in a different context
2: of, mm-hmm.
1: of story, you know, when we do yeah. learn from story, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's uh, if, if someone's listening and they don't read any biographies, that's a, one of the biggest tips we've said so far.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, and like, especially for myself, how you say that you've been really busy with work and so you've kind of gotten away from reading for my own personal interests, like like I said, one of my favorite things to do is write and post to my blog. And I feel like I'm only at my most effective when I'm reading every day For because it kind of helps me, like we've talked about a lot, you absorb what you take in. And so when I'm absorbing really good writing, it helps me become a better writer, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that's part, part of, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of just have to figure out what works for you. Like when mm-hmm. I look back at um, when I was reading a ton, my morning routine, I guess you'd mm-hmm. say it was a lot different. Like I'd wake up a little bit earlier. I'd put in a good 30 to 60 minutes just reading, having coffee. These days I wake up and I'm directly in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. I don't think one is better than the other. Um, you know, maybe, maybe both work for
0: me, but mm-hmm. just different circumstances, different life goals at the time.
1: Could be. Yeah. I mean, could be if I ever start to really like hate what I'm doing or feel bad or, or something like that, then, you know, I've got two two different points where I know, okay, I could always go back to that or, or you know, one way or another. But, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm
0: curious. I was also curious, have you ever tried Audible? It kind of seems like that could be a good fix for you with how much you're listening to podcasts.
1: Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I, I hate it. I, uh, (laughs) I hate it. It could be that I just haven't found the right book.
0: Um, Author is big for Audible too. In my, in my experience, author is huge. Or narrator rather narrator. Yeah.
1: I will say I I listened to one of Gary Vee's books that he did himself. Mm-hmm. that was good. You know, it was good because it was just like listening to him talk. But, yeah. I mean, once you've – and I think he'll say it too. Once you've listened to a week worth of Gary V content,
0: yeah. everything he has to oh, say. Oh, yeah, for sure. So. <laughs> yeah, he's very yeah, open so. and honest about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, yeah. So that was probably one of the only audiobooks that I actually made it through. Um, the rest were, were just kind of, I don't know, I tailed off. But that was also – you know, could be wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Like I was mm-hmm. at my, I was at the end of my, my content consumption mm-hmm. phase, or something like that. I don't
0: know. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, I so try it kind
1: of these days.
0: Yeah. So back, uh, back to the whole, you know, f- food and blogging Instagram, I'm curious how your whole creative process plays out. And you said you're posting about five recipes a week. How are you able to, um, continue with that, same volume and having new ideas and new recipes
1: well i think it slowed down a little bit um when so when i was doing uh when i was working on partly my blog and then also stronger you as their their chief deliciousness officer i was doing two to three recipes for them and then still trying to do two to three recipes for my site. um i i stopped working with stronger You. Uh, in, I think it was February or March of this year. So I've been going about six months uh, solo and I, I would like to keep the volume up, but I think a big focus for me over the past few months has just been doubling down in quality. You know, like I want, I want really, really good recipes, test them even more than I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes two, three, four times. Uh, to get the perfect recipe, get the perfect well, somewhat perfect photo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, but I, you know, don't, don't take that too literally because perfection has never been my uh, strong suit. Like I still shoot mm-hmm. my food photography on an iPhone, which a real food blogger would scoff at, you know, yeah. um, yeah. but, but I make it work, you know, like, uh, I make it work. And, um, yeah so so yeah now it's it depends on the recipe too right now I'm in a phase where I'm doing lots of savory whole meal recipes Uh and those are definitely harder uh, to, to do lots of because I also don't want the food to go to waste so you know if I end up having to make four batches of hamburger steak like I did this week you know I don't want all that food to just go in the trash so maybe I maybe I scale back. It's a very loose Mm -hmm. schedule. I, I, and I hate schedule, like rigid schedules. No way would I ever stick to that. Um, but I do have a a general idea. Like if I get, if I get two recipes on the blog per week, I feel really good about my week. If it's less than that, probably not so good. If it's three or four, I feel great. You know?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, in terms of creative process that, Uh, inspiration comes from a lot of places usually it's from readers like I'll post a I'll I'll do a recipe request call to see what people would like to to uh, have remade or have a healthier version of lighter version of Uh, and then you know I'll spend a lot of time researching that particular food like I'm really good with southern cuisine comfort food Mm -hmm. x-mex I'm great with those I'm terrible with Flavors of Eastern Asia, um, really all of Asia, any mm-hmm. kind of international cuisine, I really lack an experience with. Um, so, a lot of times it's just researching what is this dish? How is it traditionally made? And yeah. then it starts to get into what can we substitute? What can we make a little bit healthier? What can we not change to lose recipe integrity? That mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then it gets into testing. And then if it works, Food photography, editing on the blog, and then going out to all the social channels and promotion and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that you, you talk about your, you know, you're taking your pictures from your iPhone because the pictures all look very professional and they look, you know, you obviously put some time into that. So those are, those are Thank nice, you. nice touch.
2: Thank you. That's been
1: a, that's probably been my biggest, um, if we were talking about just-in-time learning, Mm -hmm. that's been one that's just been a continuous, continually evolving thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, trying different food backdrops, still terrible with food styling and like flat lay styling. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and and like, if you see, if you see real food photography, I mean, hours go into each picture. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And and I totally respect that. But um, something I, I think at least is, that's not super appealing to, and, and part of my, part of my, what I'd say, this niche, or specialty, or whatever you want to call it, would be, simplicity is definitely a part of it, you know, uh-huh. I realize that some of my most popular recipes are the ones that have very few ingredients, minimal steps, they're easy uh-huh. to make, they seem very approachable, and that's just part of it, you know, I, I've noticed, as I, as I get more, as I become more skilled in the kitchen, I've tried more advanced recipes, mm. and I noticed that a lot of those don't do as well for me. They would for some of these, you know, for someone else, but for yeah. me, maybe you know, I've got to stick semi close to to the simple things. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just what works for me.
0: Have you had any big breakthroughs lately, or any new idea that was a really big hit? Anything that you're focused on?
1: In in maybe June. May or June, I started to really crack down on where all my traffic and revenue was coming from in my business. Okay. And I had a pretty sizable email list, um, but just didn't use it. I hated writing emails, I, I didn't even want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, running an email list is very expensive. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, if you have a big list, it gets really expensive really fast. Um, so it was basically just becoming a a money pit for me. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scrap this because I didn't even want to clean or, and it had a pretty decent open rate, Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't what I wanted. So I put a a halt on that. And then maybe a month after that, I realized that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Even if I never send an email, I need that. And you need, you need, And it's, it's more for a security blanket than anything, you know, like Instagram. I think all it took was Instagram and Facebook going down in one day. Um, Oh
0: yeah. So I remember that.
1: You know, it was like, man, I probably messed up, which, and and interestingly, most of my traffic comes from Pinterest and Google,
0: not
2: Instagram
1: and Facebook, but most of my audience lives on Instagram and Facebook. So Mm -hmm. that true connection with people is there. So I'm revamping my email list. Um, and I don't know. I guess that's uh, maybe maybe not a breakthrough because it's something I kind of already knew. But, but mm-hmm. God, like you need you need to own your audience, as people say, yeah. not in a weird way, but just in like, can you can you contact them regardless of what's happening with other platforms?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. We talked about Gary Vee. I remember he was uh, he talked a lot about that when Instagram has been going down a, a few times the past few months. He's like saying that that's part of the importance of having multiple platforms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Diversity in all things, you know, that as a finance. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I've never seen your Facebook. Is it uh, like the same exact things are on Instagram, but just for a different platform or is it, those are different ideas and inputs into that.
1: Yeah. So on my, like on the actual Facebook page, I literally just share whatever i share on Instagram. I don't, yeah. I don't use it as much a uh, traffic generator. I know some people do really well with it, I don't. Um, but it's also, you know, it's a page. That's just like my name. I I just see that doing well on Facebook, like a, like tasty videos or or something like that. But is the idea that
0: some people, some people aren't on Instagram basically for that audience.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't care much about my Facebook page Mm -hmm. where the, where the magic happens is in my Facebook group. Um, I started a group earlier this year. Um, partly on request from a few people like, hey, you know, you should start a group so we can get in there and share the things we're making, share your recipes that we're making and and ask questions and stuff like that. And then part of coming from the Stronger You world, uh, Mike and the team there, they're doing like, when I first joined that group in 2018, I'd never seen anything like it in terms of, I think there were maybe 13,000 people there. So not a huge number of people, but just like hundreds of posts per day. And I mean, it's super supportive community. there, like a real community. I had never seen anything like it on the internet. Um, So I've started, I started a Facebook group earlier this year and it's no stronger you group. Mike's listening, which he's probably not. Uh, It's no stronger you group, but I've done pretty, pretty good job at replicating that sense of community. So it's a, that's been, I guess, if you wanted to say a breakthrough for this year, it was, it was that, um, I value, there's about 8,000 people there and I value that group more than, more than a hundred and whatever thousand followers on Instagram
2: in terms of, um,
1: you know, audience connection.
0: Yeah. It's all about that real connection. That just reminds me of when I was, uh, kind of figuring out how to go about the whole Instagram thing. I remember there was a point where, Uh, I found out a lot of the things that were essentially most useful in building a bigger following and getting your name out there more and your posts out there more. And I feel like I really consciously made the decision to not go after that because like we've talked about, I I wanted to feel fulfilled and I wanted to actually reach people and not just maximize my audience and you know, who sees my posts the most. I think that when you talk about sustainability, that that's one of the biggest things
1: oh yeah well, and you don't i mean i know you know this and everyone probably knows it at this point but you don't need a hundred thousand followers to build a mm-hmm. meaningful business or, or whatever um you know i've got a few hundred people that i i recognize instagram handles or we're facebook friends now or something like that
2: mm-hmm.
1: who are members of my audience who would you know buy my cookbooks and support me if you know, like and that's really all I need anything else is is kind of like extra yeah. um you know it, it all depends on your revenue model, like if I just mm-hmm. wanted to to add revenue only, obviously, a few hundred people won't work, but um you know definitely other models you don't you don't need many people so.
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and so one thing we haven't really touched on yet uh, that I wanted to address is just the fact that your food is macro friendly. And so I wanted you to kind of go over what exactly that means to you. What exactly is the purpose of that? And then I I was wondering, you know, were you ever the type of person that was super, super strict about tracking macros? Is that part of where this started or how does that uh, all play out?
1: Um, yeah, we'll go backwards. So I haven't tracked personally, like track macros since, since around 2012, 13, 14, maybe I was super mm-hmm. into fitness. Like, I mean, I was, you know, I trained five, six days a week. I, you know, just lived and breathed it. Um, when I started my own business, even, you know, right out of college, it's been definitely, I still love fitness and I still train usually three to four times per week every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm definitely, I focus on other things more, you know, like, and it, and part of it is just that I have to, you know, like some people, some people are freaks and they can manage being super fit, working on their business all the time, having a good social life, managing relationships. Some people can do it all. I can't, you know, like that's just, I don't know. That's not how I'm wired. So that's a long way of answering and saying, no, I don't personally track anymore, but I did seriously for, for years, when I first got into fitness, and, and I always tell people if I wanted to get super serious about fitness or I wanted to go to Shredsville, you know, I would I would track macros. That's how I would yeah. do it. Um, but anyway, going on to the food, um, yeah, I mean macro friendly. I don't love the term. I don't love the term. I I don't know, but but I don't hate the term either. You mm-hmm. know, because everyone's macros are it's highly individual someone because honestly tracking macros doesn't mean most people that do it do something that looks a little bit like high protein moderate carb to lower fat maybe um but you could do the keto diet and track macros that's essentially what you're doing you just don't know it you know like the keto diets whatever it is 80 70 80 percent fat Mm -hmm. or protein um it's essentially macros without tracking. Uh, so I make, you know, they're termed or coined macro-friendly recipes, but I do make stuff that's that's all over the board. There's some low-carb in there that would be mm-hmm. keto-friendly that I don't label keto-friendly. Um, there's some high-protein, like protein desserts. Those are super popular uh, that I don't really love doing. Um, and then, you know, some are low low-fat, high-fat, yeah, I mean, it can be all over the place, so I guess that's a long way of saying that uh, I make lots of different, but I will say this, most, almost all of them uh, are low-calorie, and yeah. that the low cal- the the lightened-up version, or the lower-calorie version, usually means that one of the macros, carbs, or fat is pulled away from, typically not protein
2: i typically keep that on the higher end
0: mm-hmm. well yeah that's the thing about your recipes it's like it's oftentimes just as simple as you said it's something that someone might really want to be one of their favorite foods or something they'd really like to get in a restaurant but just a lot lower calorie version of it if you just want to talk about it the most base level
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's probably the best way is just yeah low, lower calorie yeah lower calorie maybe not that
0: yeah and the thing that's nice is you know people that are into fitness and are into even if it's not tracking trying to limit themselves and eat healthier meals and control their calories you know there's it, it just shows that there's a lot of ways to do it that aren't just like the chicken rice and broccoli stereotypical diet you know there's more ways to go about it
1: oh yeah totally dude i i really dislike chicken i mean they're you know, it's definitely not, especially chicken breast. like mm-hmm. one of my favorites, um, but you can do a lot of things with it. You know, you can do a lot yep. of things with it and it's hard to beat in terms of, in terms of its calorie and macronutrient
0: profile. So, yeah. And so do you ever sort of, well, maybe first of all, do you do this or do you ever have the desire to do this where, you know, I think that anyone would agree you probably can't completely maximize flavor, with going lower calorie just because of the fact that like you know fats and sugars and whatever really add that that top tier flavor do you ever kind of go all out and not make healthy recipes just for yourself or anything like that
1: that's a good question um not really not really and and i'm always hesitant to say this um but but you know like now I mean I've been cooking basically every day for for 2 years on mm-hmm. on this these kinds of recipes and uh you know like I'm definitely not a chef I'm a home cook that's pretty proficient at this
2: point mm-hmm. I'm in
1: the low calorie realm but I've gotten pretty good at it and these days when I make stuff I mean i like to think that it's actually really really good you know yeah. like it's uh it, it's good stuff I mean it's something that you know, I would I would serve to guests or serve, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, someone that was coming over, entertaining, whatever. Um, I would serve with pride and probably not even have to say,
2: yeah, hey, that's, that's a good.
1: that's a healthier version or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you know, a lot of times when we're out, you know, we'll have stuff and it's, like, you know, I've made better. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's funny. There's kind of like a stigma. I remember I was literally talking to my mom about this recently you know, in the summertime, my parents will host a handful of parties. And she was kind of made the comment that sometimes she'll try to make something a little healthier. And it's like people just are not interested in if it can be labeled healthy, or even just the perception. It's like, if I'm at a party, I want to eat, you know, the best food possible that's got whatever, call it unhealthy ingredients and whatever in it, it's just really the perception. So I think it's interesting, that comment you made there that people probably don't even know the difference at at this point.
1: Oh, yeah. And part of that is, Part of that is food science, where we're at Mm -hmm. in the world, like, food scientists are doing some amazing things with low calorie things, you know, like, you can be scared of food science, but it's, I mean, it's pretty great for Mm -hmm. for healthier eating, um, if you know what you're doing. So there's lots of ingredients that, um, that, you know, you would never know are healthier that are. And then a lot of it is, is seasoning. Like when you get good, yeah, with, for sure. when you get good with spices and herbs and aromatics and, and vegetables and things like that, when you, when you can get good with those, you can do, you can add so much flavor without needing tons of like sugar and fat. Mm. And don't get me wrong. I mean, butter, real butter is hard to beat, you know, yeah, hard to beat sure. and frying something in okay. olive oil is hard to beat but you can get pretty darn close if you're good with seasoning and, mm-hmm. and you make some, some smart substitutions in other places. So. Yeah.
0: Is there some favorite like key ingredients for you? Like either if it's spices or maybe like a lower calorie version of something else that people would frequently use?
1: That's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's that sure
0: list is pretty endless at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um the things that I that I use the most man I don't know I think it changes a lot too you know like I get I go through phases where I'm super keyed in on one ingredient and I'll make tons yeah. of stuff with it um yeah it's tough
0: one, one, one I've observed a handful of times is like is it cheddar powder is that right that kind of is like <laughs> a substitute for cheese
1: yeah, I haven't used that in a long time, but okay. but that is it's. Think of it like powdered peanut butter. How powdered mm-hmm. peanut butter is a, can be turned into a lower calorie peanut butter. Is yeah. it as good as real peanut butter? Not a chance. But it's pretty yeah. darn good, especially if you put it into other recipes.
0: Yeah, exactly. So cheddar
1: powder, like de- it's essentially dehydrated cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. That can be you can put that in with like fat-free Greek yogurt, fat-free cream cheese. Yeah, and then you've got like a low, super low fat creamy cheese sauce yeah. or dip or something like that. That's one. Um these when you first asked that question the first thing that came to mind was onion and garlic. Like mm-hmm. do so many things with that, you Yeah, know, it, it, I, it just provides so much flavor and uh it just takes things up a notch and yeah, yeah, I mean those and then, and then obviously like salt you know like always I think people are yeah I think people are a little afraid of salt like salt and pepper on everything just about you know like those are two magical ingredients
0: yeah you know it's funny that you mentioned cheese because like I think that one of the things I first became cognizant of when kind of going along the whole tracking route I don't do it so much anymore kind of like you but cheese can really add up so fast and so that's just having that replacement i'm sure is makes a big difference in a lot of your recipes or something to have that creamy texture mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah I, and i think like learning about cheese i wish i would have done that sooner learning about different types of cheese and like what mm-hmm. um you know like mozzarella is a very soft cheese that melts really mm-hmm. well where parmesan is a hard cheese that does not melt very well or they're just totally different when, when cooked uh, and have totally different applications. I think I, if I would have learned about the different types of cheeses sooner, you know, I would have made probably better. Like some of my early recipes I look at now to update, and I'm like, man, I had no clue about this. You know, I wish I would have known mm. that then. So, um, but that's with really anything. I mean, you, you're going to learn, but yeah.
0: Yeah, always learning from experience for sure.
1: Y'all go learn about cheese for real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So, uh, so our time's almost up. I want to ask you the one last question I ask everybody on the show and it gets a little philosophic, which we haven't, uh, went too much into that realm, but just ask, what do you want your story to be at the end of the day when it's all said and done? I think that I would guess it'd be something along the lines of, it seems like you're very interested in helping people, whether it be through your recipes, your communities, et cetera. What sort of story do you want to tell at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, that's very kind of you. That's not as my brain went the totally opposite direction.
0: <laughs> well, let's hear it.
1: I'll give you I'll give you the the answer that, that you had in mind and say that learning how to cook or just cooking more, becoming mm-hmm. a, a proficient home cook is one of the best things you can do for your health and your life. Like not only is it not only will it lead to just over the long term, like not even thinking about macros or tracking or, or like short term fitness
2: goals, mm-hmm. like
1: just over the long term course of your life, you'll be healthier if you cook more. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll also, it's a, it's a skill. It's a desirable skill. There's no way around that either. Like yeah. especially if you're a man, even if you
2: cook,
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: a, that's a big deal.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So. Well, some, go ahead. I was just going to mention like what jumped to my mind is we've talked a little bit about personal finance here and there. And learning how to cook as opposed to eating out, whether it be like your lunches at work or your dinners on the weekends or whatever, that's a huge aspect of being able to save money as well.
2: Totally. Oh,
1: yeah. And imagine like, not only is it more cost effective, but if you're cooking things that are good, yeah. Like there's there's no there are some people out there that don't enjoy food, but I think they're a very small percentage of people. Yeah. If you can cook things that taste good, your life will be better. So mm-hmm. but that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, like if I can help more people cook or get into cooking and then it does start to evolve, like even for me, it's been a little bit of a personal evolution where I was very minimal ingredient, simple stuff. And then that's evolved mm-hmm. over time where now I'm a little bit more interested in learning some advanced techniques and things like that. But that's your answer. My brain first went to... <laughs> he just lived it. He lived a fun life. He lived a fun life. He, he was a happy dude. Like that's, that's really, um, that's about it. Like I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm very, 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 very very grateful for what I get to do every day. And I try to remind myself of that every day. I don't take myself too seriously. I think, uh, even though I'm a thinker and I, and I kind of stress myself out to put self-imposed deadlines and stuff. Most of the time, I'm very happy and I just want to continue that and, and live life on my terms. And at the end of the day, they can say, you know what? He, uh, he, he didn't listen to anyone. He, he yeah. thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just think it's so cool that the internet has given people this capacity to do jobs that would have never been possible even 20 years ago, probably not even 10 years ago where, you know, you get to impact all these people and talk to people and, have new ideas and share your ideas. It's it's a very good time to be an entrepreneur, a creator, whatever you know, whatever oh, yeah. you want to
1: call it exactly. Just alive in general. it's yeah, a great time sure, to be alive. Sure. If you if you say you'd rather be alive at any point in time, get out of here.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah have you Have you ever heard of Stephen Pinker's book uh, Enlightenment Now? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't read it, but it's it's kind of on the short list. It's like basically he talks about the fact that you know we. We get so pessimistic, I think, because of the thoughts and news stories we get wrapped up in. But it is such a great time to be alive, really, relatively. Compared, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and and that's one thing. Like, I, um, yeah. I mean, dude, I just deleted Twitter, which I'm not active on Twitter. I just uh-huh. read things there, uh, and I deleted Twitter because it just, you know, I, I would see too many things that were. Because, you know, sure, you need to be aware of some things, but would it really hurt you to not be, you know, is is the thing. Like, if there's something that you really, it's going to directly affect you, you're going to know, you're going to find out one way or another. So, well, maybe not me, it's a hermit, but my fiance, well, she has to go out. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) She'll hear about it. it. But yeah, limit (laughs) that that negative stuff and, Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, appreciate how awesome it is to be here today.
0: Absolutely. Well, I love ending on that note, and so thanks, Mason, for coming on. We kind of went all over the place, and that's honestly my favorite you know, podcast when we talk about a lot of different stuff, so it was really fun. Yeah, Yeah, cool, man. I enjoyed this. All right. Well, thanks again. Yes, sir. This has been the What's Your Story podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, uh, share with family and friends, and leave me a review. I really appreciate any and all
1: feedback. Thanks.